Rising action. Rising action. Good to go. I believe so. I just want my phone call. What do we actually know? Rising Action Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rising Action Podcast. I am one of your hosts. I am Josh. And over there is Grayson. And this week, we're joined by a special guest. You would have uh, heard him before because he also joined me on a previous episode. Over there, we've got Seth Williams joining Grayson and I, and today is our all-inclusive, extensive buffet good food review <laughs> of Tenet. <laughs> buffet, wow. Yep, it's the all-you-can-eat Tenet buffet today, and that rhymed accidentally. I and like that. we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> I dig it, I dig it. <laughs> How you doing, Seth? It's been a minute. I'm great, yeah. Uh, good to see you guys. I'm excited to do this review. This is this is going to be some good stuff. Uh, before we get into the episode, we're going to knock out these housekeeping items. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at risingaction underscore. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at joshjohnson98. Where can I find you, Grayson? Isn't yours with two N's? Yeah, it is. Got you. I got you. I remember your own Instagram handles better than you do. <laughs> you can find me at Straits3 on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And also, like, I'm going to put this out here. You know, like, this is very, like, the bottom of the barrel. But, like, you can also follow me on TikTok, too, because I've been making, like, cool edits on oh, there. God. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I don't do, like, any of those. But, like, I, but, like, I do, like, cool edits, or at least I'm trying to. Oh, cool, cool. So, not, Yeah. Matt, you know what? Never mind. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I will kidding. say you did just do a video. You did just do a video on TikTok that uh, that was pretty solid. I'm not gonna lie. It was all with your guidance. I did. I I was texting you at like 10 o'clock last night. Like, the how do time. I do this? <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out. Seth, Seth, they, where can oh, they? Yeah, you yeah, where can they find you? Where can they see what you're up to and what you've been doing? I came a little bit more prepared this time in this category. You can find me at <laughs> at Instagram, uh, uh, Seth Williams underscore media. Um, mm. And then on Letterboxd, I'm pretty sure I'm just Seth Williams. I don't know. Give me a search. You'll probably find me. Yeah. <laughs> he's the he's the the account with the little profile picture that's got a hand in it. So with blueberries. If you don't see a face. With blueberries. If you see no faces and just hands, that's you know you're in the right place. Um, last week, all of us went and saw a tenant. I drove down to South Carolina. Seth lives there. Grayson lives there. Indeed. I'm the only one who, who uh, apparently has the commitment to actually see this movie. Anyway. Um, so we all went and saw one? it. <laughs> that was a stretch. Anyway. Uh, we all went and saw Tenet. Um, Grayson and I, I know Seth as well, have been super, super excited about this movie. We did an episode like 18 weeks ago. That's oddly specific for a guest. But 18 weeks ago, we did an episode talking about the first trailer of Tenet and how excited we were for it. That's how long? Um, it's been 18 weeks. This is episode 21. I'm pretty sure that was our third episode. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. It might have it might have even been further than that. It might have been like the second one. That's but, crazy. Uh, I did not go back and listen to what we thought it would be. But you know, if you would like to hear our first initial <laughs> thoughts of what Tenet might turn out to be, and you can listen to that. That's the little prologue. And today is all of 
tenant. This yeah. is everything. Uh, but uh, before we really, really dive into some spoilers, we're going to go as deep as we can without giving spoilers to anybody who hasn't seen it. I know it's still kind of difficult for some folks, yeah. North Carolinians especially, to uh, to go to theaters. So we're not going to ruin the movie for you, and then we'll dive into the spoilers in the second half of the episode. But uh, just right off the rip, since we've got the guest, we're going to throw you into the fire first. How did you feel about Tenet right off the rip without getting too deep into it, Seth? Oh, man. Honestly, overwhelmed, I think, is the the biggest word I'd focus on there. Like, yeah. going into this movie, I was stoked, okay? I had, I'd been mm-hmm. waiting for a long time. It got pushed back so many times. I love Nolan. I've seen every single, you know, other one of his films. Um, he always does, he always has his cliche. Now it's cliche, right? Like, he yeah. always does something with time. Um, more interestingly, in Dunkirk with the filmmaking style and Inception, things like that. So mm-hmm. I was really stoked. Um, probably my first like big, like memorable theater experience was seeing Interstellar in oh, the theater. Yeah. yeah, just how like freaking loud that movie was. <laughs> how much it just like rattled the st- the stadium, you know. Um, and the story was emotional and it, it was beautifully shot. So yeah, going into Tenet, I was so excited about it, and it didn't let me down. Um, I'd say in the only category that I felt like it didn't perform was the clarity of its plot. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that is, you know, that and maybe like the sound mix. <laughs> Cause you know, in yeah. our theater, when we saw it, we were like, our ears were bleeding. So, okay. I will say, <laughs> it was so loud. I saw it a second time today because uh, to pre- okay. prepare for this and my, it was totally fine. Like it wasn't nearly as loud as it was the first time, and I was gotcha. farther back in the theater. Like I know we were closer to the more of the front row. I was in a different like actual theater, but I went to the same theater complex, you know. And it wasn't nearly as loud. I could actually hear what they were saying almost almost yeah. all of the time. But I think that also helped because I'd already seen it once that I kind of knew what they were saying. Um, yeah, you kind of yeah. knew what to expect. But there weren't any like there wasn't a moment where my ears were actually ringing. Uh, like it, it was loud, but it wasn't to the point where I'm like, oh, this is unbearable. Um, mm. so I don't, I think we just, for full context, like we all saw that movie and, uh, we all immediately recognized how loud it was. And like, we know Nolan yeah. is known for his, his loud sound mixes and, and everything, but also like an hour and a half, an hour, 45 minutes into the movie the heater in the theater kicked on and it's already like <laughs> yeah. 80, 90 degrees outside. And we're just like, I'm sitting there like SpongeBob in the, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie where he's just like, he's just dying underneath this, like this light. That's what I felt like. And, and so immediately, which my, my thoughts have changed on this, but um, <laughs> we walked out and you guys were like kind of stoked. And I'm like, that was probably a pretty good movie, but I my ears hurt so bad, and I'm so hot right now that like I genuinely can't form a, a, an opinion. <laughs> yeah, dude, you were soaked, man. <laughs> I looked over at you, and you were like, it was like like moisture just flying off you. <laughs> it was it was not a fun time, especially because the AC was feeling really good the first like the first. Half. It really was, and I'm it like, was so cold when we walked in, and then halfway through, it turned into a sauna. Yeah. It was genuinely not 
in the ideal conditions. I will say uh, about halfway in. The best thing about it was that we it was me. Or it was me, you two, and only two other people, and that was like that we knew we were all as one group. We had the whole theater to ourselves. Yeah, that's always yeah. so much fun. And today, when I saw it again, it was just me and my friend, the only people in the theater. I was, like, yeah. I was like, this is this is the life. <laughs> that is the bomb. That is what you what you want. Although on the flip side, it is kind of a bummer because that means the movie's not making any money. Which yeah, is yeah. I talked to someone, bit iffy. the the guy at the theater, um, who's someone I actually like knew from a long time ago, but. He was saying that this, we were like the twentieth customers for like the past week. Oh my word, that's crazy. I'm like that's Holy insane. Cow. He's like, dude, it has been so dead. Like nobody is going. We like I pulled up and I granted I saw it at like three forty this afternoon. Three forty on a Thursday is not exactly yeah, nobody's prime gonna be time there. for yeah. seeing a movie, yeah. <laughs> especially in a pandemic. But there was one motorcycle there. That was it. <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. Oh my. Gosh. And there, there's like there's a tenant showtime like every twenty thirty minutes. Yeah. Yep. So eh. what I've seen is that tenant worldwide just crossed one hundred and fifty million dollars, and I think a lot of people are saying that's terrible. It's going to be a total flop. But then you have other people saying that that's actually really good considering we're in a, kind of in a pandemic right now, and one hundred fifty million is pretty great. Uh, New Mutants, like, truly, and well, I mean, they it totally flopped. I don't, I don't think mm-hmm. it made ten million. I mean, it made nothing. Yeah. Um. So, Yikes. I don't know. For some people, it's Tenet is doing really, really good considering the circumstances, and they're trying to like extrapolate COVID numbers into real life numbers, and and say, okay, is this movie actually doing well? And is this something that if Nolan goes back to a studio in two years or something to make another movie, are they going to even let him? Oh, um, no one will be fine, man. No one will be okay. <laughs> yeah, I have <laughs> genuinely seen people. They 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 should. I agree, um, but some people are a little bit worried that his career might be in jeopardy, I, which. Anybody who's sane thinks that's ridiculous, but I think the smart thing to do, which I know I, I looked it up, I think the Blu-ray is supposed to come out in November, like late November. So the, the I will be buying release. it as soon as it comes yeah. out. Absolutely, I will say probably the smarter move is just keep it in theaters for like four or five months, like mm-hmm. inevitably, like because that's what movies used to do um, back in the seventies and eighties. I mean, I think Star Wars stayed in theaters for like two years um which i mean that's like crazy now i'm not saying tenet should be in theaters for that long but like keep it in there because people will want to see this movie that has been so hyped up in a theater even even when there is a a blu-ray or or a 4k release you know i mean i'm probably i doubt i'll go see it in a theater uh since i've seen it twice um already but for the people who have been waiting um and, and want until they get comfortable then it may be in the best interest to just keep it there, you know? Yeah, man, I'd love to see it in an IMAX cinema. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. the oh, closest yeah. one to me is like an hour away, so I'd have to go pretty far, but I'd, I think it's worth it. I'd, I'd like to see this on, you know, the intended format. Oh, yeah. Um, just completely explode my, my brain and my eardrums. Yeah. Like, just make my head combust, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sensory overload. Dunkirk. 
Yeah, I got to see Dunkirk in IMAX, and that was one of the best decisions I've ever made. So <laughs> I think did I they might shoot, take a chance. Did they shoot Tenet on the same cameras that they shot Dunkirk on? Did they shoot them in that same IMAX camera, IMAX yeah. film format? Yeah, IMAX 70 millimeter. Sheesh. Did they also uh, supplement with 65 millimeter cameras like they did with uh, Dunkirk as well? I think they probably did. That or they just went back to like a really clean 35. Either yeah. one would probably work, so... It was funny. I was watching a uh, video about Hoyt Van Hoytema, who was the DOP for Tenet and Dunkirk and several other films of Nolan's. But um, his style is so funny because, you know, unlike Roger Deakins, he doesn't necessarily blend the old and the new. He just kind of is a film junkie, which is probably why Christopher Nolan is so in love with him. Oh, totally. But also... <laughs> um, Hoytema loves getting the the large format uh, film and then shooting wides with them so that you're getting like close-ups, but they're wides, you know? So you're getting that same uh, background, foreground relationship that you would get with um, close-ups, but he does it in wides. And I think it is really interesting that you've got a cinematographer that is so well-known for like, I think his thing is really like intimate moments is his perfect bread and butter as a cinematographer. And then you bring in Nolan who's like intimate moments. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to have a, a gallivant across the world and yeah. we're going to have like two or three moments and that's it. Um, really, really funny. But I think the initial comp for Tenet was like, if you could blend inception and mission impossible, if you could have their love child, it would be Tenet. Do you think that Tenet kind of, I don't know, did it lead up to the hype? Was it, was it that? I think it did. I think I was, I need to, I really need to see it again because, you know, I, I really did lose track of the story several times. Um, and I, I think it's awesome that Nolan trusts his audience to like pick mm -hmm. up on everything that's going on. To like be able to understand every single you know little action, little nuance to the story, um, but I think one of the hardest things about Tenet is you know where it places its expositional scenes, um, who he has explaining the plot. Um, he had this yeah. problem with Tenet or um, Inception as well, where like you know nothing, nothing against Ken uh, Watanabe, he's a great actor. <laughs> but sometimes when he's, you know, like explaining important plot details or like, you know, mechanics that have to do with the story and there's a helicopter in the background and the helicopter sound is like really loud and you can barely hear what poor yeah. Ken is saying. And you're just like, I would just like to, you know, understand what's happening in this moment instead of you know, <laughs> being immersed in the world. You know, there's a there's a fine line between being immersed, which I think is what Chris is going for constantly you know, creating an experience mm -hmm. that envelops you in what's happening and telling the story in the most clear and concise way. And I think that's where his stories get convoluted, not necessarily in how much detail is in them, just how it's presented using the formats yeah. that he has. What I will say, what I will say for him is he presents all of his exposition in dialogue. Yeah. Um, which I guess to, I think some people would think that's a given because it's a very visual medium and dialogue is kind of your language that you're using. But um, 
I think it's a little bit easier to kind of give your exposition in like a voiceover or in text or in context or in your setting or, you know, and he doesn't really do any of that. He's like, we're straight dialoguing this thing and characters are going to talk it out. They're going to explain things that they need to know to each other. And I mean, Tenet, like the first quarter of the movie was entirely exposition. Um, the whole, the protagonists, literally the protagonists whole, like all of his initial scenes are him learning things yeah. and him being told things by other people. Very true. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily hate it. Um, just because it's done in a, in a way that it's so quick, like his little interaction with Michael Caine was so fast and the dialogue even though it's expositional it's still filled with like some uh conversational subtext to where it it never comes off as like drab and boring it's just boom 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 and i think nolan changes up his locations a lot so that you don't get lulled into a sense of like boredom by his exposition so you're going boom 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 a lot of quick scenes and then once you've you've got enough that you can kind of like catch what he's laying down. Then I feel like the scenes got a little bit longer. And, and at that point you could kind of like ease into it, even though this is not a movie you ease into, but yeah. at that point you could kind of, after that first quarter, it was like, okay, I can at least track with what's happening. Like I have a general understanding. I'm not catching the, the, the smaller details and it'll take like three or four viewings for me to ever catch those. Yeah, it um, certainly will. Because after I, my second I viewing, they're... I picked up on a lot more stuff. But there were still times that I'm like, okay, so they did this. That makes sense. This person's connected this way. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. And then, But then there's still times where I'm like, I'll think about the opening or what. And I'm like, wait, why? Huh? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like asking on myself <laughs> yeah. all these things. And it's like, and, and I was kind of talking to a friend where I was saying, Inception was kind of the same way. Um, in that sense that like you watch it the first time and you're like, okay, I got what was happening, but I still don't understand every little detail. And now that I've seen Inception yeah. multiple times throughout the years, I'm like, oh, I know that movie incredibly well. Like this makes so much totally. sense. Tenet is one of those things I'm like, I'm going to have to see this at least like three more times before I pick up on everything and probably watch some YouTube videos because I think Tenet in terms of its plot is like the most dense Christopher Nolan movie. Like there, I was thinking about it and I'm like, there is, even in the opening, there is so much going on in terms of yeah. like the and relationship with you in characters. Too. Yeah. And it throws you in and you're like, okay, what, what's happening? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I've seen yeah. the opening three times and I'm still trying to piece it together. Um, Cause the opening is on like, they, for some IMAX theater, they released it a couple months back. And so I rewatched mm. it, and I was, because we, full context, me and Josh got pulled over, uh, and we missed the first like two or three minutes of the movie, and I was like, we we walked in, and we were like, oh oh my god, we have missed so much. What is going on? And you're like, no, right. like, we, like this is literally how it's supposed to be. Like Seth was like, it's all it's all good. And then, I know. I walked in, and people are shooting at each other already, and I was like, oh god, no. <laughs> I'm like we've missed so much. We're 20 minutes into the movie nope. right now. Just two, <laughs> just two minutes. <laughs> But Nolan does like to do that with his openings, where at least he I'm, does that all the I'm time. I'm thinking of like The Dark Knight, and 
um, and Inception, and now this movie, that like the openings, he will throw you in there, and a lot yep. is going on, and you're like, I, I'm th- I think of The Dark Knight, and I, and I was explaining this, like it's The Dark Knight is almost very similar to the opening of Tenet, where it's like, okay, we have these, um, and, I, and I'm not gonna get into the, like the whole Tenet opening until we get to the spoilers, but we've got these bank robbers, they're robbing a bank, simple, they've all got Joker masks, they probably work for Joker. Then they're breaking in the thing, and he's like, oh, no, it called a private number. He's like, is it important? No, then we're done here. And he shoots him, and you're like, whoa, what? What's happening? First of all, yeah. private number, what is that supposed to mean? And two, okay, he just killed, like, his own guy. And then it's, like, stacking on and on. And then people are, like, still killing each other. You're getting more of these details. And you don't ever really realize that Joker's plan until, like, that opening that he was stealing from like the mob until about like a a, a fourth or a third of the movie, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. He was stealing from. He wasn't just robbing some bank. Like he was stealing from other criminals, and he had this entire complex thing of like they have to take out the silent alarm and they're killing one another so they can get more of a cut, and then uh, and then the bus thing happens and he reveals his mask, and you're like, I can imagine like going back like to the first time I saw The Dark Knight, and I was like what what just happened and like granted i was like yeah. 11 so now it's like oh well this is so simple and i'm sure i'll look on the future in 10 years and be like oh the opening of tenant is so simple how did i not get this you know but like <laughs> it's pretty comp it's pretty complex the entire movie is complex yeah, but that's kind of nolan's style i'd say it's yeah, nolan the whole concept most complex for sure go ahead josh sorry. absolutely yeah yeah, the the whole concept it, it builds up, but the the term the buzzword per se is temporal pincer. Temporal pincer. Where I love that. Yeah, that's that's a that's a fun thing to say, but it's it's literally where the movie is coming at you from two angles, and if I dive deeper into that, it does spoil the movie, so I won't do that. But it really is coming at you from two different directions and you don't realize it until the very end of the film. It's asking and you to basically throw away everything you know and not think linearly. And it's so yes. hard to do that because we are constantly thinking linearly. There's even a line that's like kind of meta where they're like, you need to stop thinking linearly. And you're like, I can't. Like, I, it's so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's literally um, my in- kinda, instinct. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, yeah, jo- I, I didn't really even really think about that. But the overall concept is, like, you're having to keep track of, like, the same line, but it going forwards and backwards. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to do a quick little, uh, just for people who haven't seen the movie yet, this is only for them. If you were to describe your experience of Tenet in one sentence and then give it a rating out of 10 and follow that up with why people should or should not see it, what would you say? Seth, you go first. Oh, man. I would say it is confusing and thrilling at the same time, and it definitely warrants two or three viewings. Um, And if I was to score it, you know, off my first time watching it, this would probably go up um, because I said, like, it requires multiple viewings. Um, and I think it's designed that way, um, which is clever. Good job, Chris. Um, but <laughs> I, I, currently, I would give it like a 7.5 out of 10, um, somewhere around there. Um, and maybe with a little bit more enlightenment from having seen it again, maybe an 8, it would go up to that. 
How about you, Grayson? Um, <laughs> I'd say the way I'd describe the film was kind of overwhelmingly epic <laughs> in the sense that it yeah. throws a lot at you and but it's a very epic concept and just a lot a lot of really cool set pieces um oh yeah and like we said with the sound design and by the way can i just mention how incredible the score for this movie is i know it's so that chris good. nolan it's amazing and i know chris nolan and hans zimmer have been like the dynamic duo for years but like mm-hmm. I don't know. This may be my favorite, for, like my favorite Christopher Nolan movie soundtrack because it fits the tone of the movie so well. So 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 well. Yeah, and like, but it's hard. I mean, it's hard to say. You, it's Hans Zimmer, but it's like it's just different. Like I, I'm curious to see how Hans Zimmer would have done it for this movie. But I'm glad we got what we got. Um, and Ludwig, uh, he's becoming one of my favorite composers now with, with this with mandalorian yeah. with black panther with creed he was the music producer for childish gambino like come on yeah i mean the guy yeah. the guy is rising through the ranks um but in terms of a score um i, I think i'm gonna give it like a solid eight out of ten and uh, that's uh, that's from like two uh two viewings of it um i still you know i i I think a lot of people compared this movie or was like, this is the next inception, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's one of those things where people often say you can never really best your, your best. And like some people don't think inception is his best, but inception is my personal favorite in the sense that it's like action packed and it's really surreal and, and just well made. And Tenet gets sort of close to it, but there's a lot going on. And I just like the concept of inception more but with that being said, I still really enjoyed Tenet. Um, so an eight out of ten is kind of kind of where I sit at. I don't know if it'll go up or down. Um, remains to be seen. But it's definitely it's definitely worth the watch. I mean, it's it's not like he uh, Christopher Nolan snubbed it or anything. Like he he still came out with a fantastically well made movie. Um, yeah, and and that's like one of the best compliments I can give is like, no matter what you think on the overall plot, this movie is made incredibly well for, in, in all aspects. Um, even if it is throwing a lot at you. Yeah, I'd probably, I'm, I'm somewhere uh, kind of there with y'all. Um, I so enjoyed this movie. Um, and I was really excited for it. So maybe there was kind of like a little bit of bias going into it. Where I was like, this movie can't be bad. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of went into it. I was like, this movie just has to be good. Um, and I did enjoy it so much. I know I was kind of like contorting myself as reveals were happening. And I was kind of like moving up and forward and <laughs> kind of jumping all over the place. Like I was having so much fun with this movie. Oh, yeah. And as soon as it was done, I was like, I want to see this again. Yep. Um, I was really, really excited about it. And I enjoyed it a ton. And I, I kind of get that with every Nolan movie. Um the first time I watch it, it's just pure enjoyment. And then later I kind of analyze it a little bit more right. as I watch it more. Um, so for me, I I gave it five stars on Letterboxd because I was still running off that high. You, of, I was like, when was you did that, so I was good. like, dude, this guy, 
I'm like, there's no, I mean, I didn't say this, but I'm like, there's no way this movie is a five out of five. Like, but cause I could tell you were just so hyped up on it that I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you came back. You're like, this movie's a five out of five. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably will change that the more I watch it. And I, I am notoriously reserved with my five star reviews. So hey, you are, man. not a lot of movies get it. So I don't well, give many movies five star. Yeah. I'm Seth. Seth is like, extremely liberal with his five stars on letterboxd he'll put some five stars for movies and i'm like dude that wasn't five come on <laughs> yes it was um, and then <laughs> and then i'm over here like yeah nothing is five if i enjoyed it it's a four at best and then i drop a five on tenant so yeah it definitely was a little bit of an emotional rating i won't even lie but um <laughs> It was genuinely because I was so into it in the theater. I enjoyed it so very much. Oh, but yeah. if I were to be a little bit rational and come off the emotional high a bit, I'd probably give it like an 8.5 kind of deal. Um, and honestly, it's just because I felt like I tracked with the movie a pretty decent amount. I felt like I got all the major stuff. Um, I definitely was having to work a little bit to kind of get all the major plot points and understand what was happening. But I feel like I got it. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like I missed anything necessarily. And so for that, um, you know, I would I would give it an 8.5. But I, I, it's a movie you got to see. If you haven't oh, yeah. seen it yet, you've got to see it. Um, yeah. I don't even like that's pretty much all I can say about it. But um we gotta get. I can't wait yeah, to get into the thick of this, man. This is so. Yeah, much. we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get into some worlds we've been exploring. We're gonna bring Seth on that ride with us. Yeah, and then we're gonna get into a deeper spoiler review after that. So stay tuned for that. And now we're gonna get into some worlds we've been exploring. All right, Seth. Since you're the guest here. <laughs> uh, basically, what we do on worlds we've been exploring. I know you listen to the show, but. I'm going to give you the rundown. I'm going to tell you anyway. Basically, what we do is we talk about books and movies and stories, comic books, video games, whatever. Uh, stories we have been exploring, a.k.a. worlds we've been exploring. So, in the past, since you haven't been on the show in a while, you can go further back than a week, but typically it's just a week. So, um, in the past week and beyond, what kind of worlds have you been exploring? Ooh, I'll start with um, I'll start with books. So, over the last couple months, I've been diving into the wild and wonderful mind of Patrick Rothfuss. Um, Josh, I know that Ooh, you yes. are a. Um, I don't. You said you started Name of the Wind, right? Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, I've so I've been reading his uh, the follow up book to the Name of the Wind, which is called The Wise Man's Fear. Um, it is a tome of a book. It is huge and um, <laughs> dense and <laughs> filled with, you know, amazing scenes and characters. And um, I'm, I've really been loving that, that world, that universe and, and the characters that inhabit it. Um, it's so beautifully written. Um, I've also been reading a spinoff of that book, um, which is basically a singular character study that Pat Rothfuss wrote about one of the characters in the main series called um, The Slower Guard yeah. of Silent Things. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about that. Yes, it is very odd and more poetic than I was expecting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but beautiful. I, I, it really does, like, it lends such an interesting uh, 
perspective into writing a novel, or it's more like a novelette, I guess. It, it, it's kind of like, it's like 200 pages. It's pretty short. But um, yeah, yeah, beautifully written by Pat Rothfuss. He is quickly, he probably is my favorite writer at this point. Like he is just, you know, a master of world building um, and of character development. And he just makes like the most interesting characters ever. Like Josh, you just, you got it in Grayson, dude. If, you, if you're a fan of fantasy fiction, um, well, fantasy is usually fiction. <laughs> um, I would definitely, <laughs> I would definitely recommend him. He is an amazing author. Um, on the film end, um, recently I watched Mulan with my family. Uh, we bought a little projector uh, off Amazon for like it was like 150 bucks. Um, really? And we set that up in the new one. Yeah, the, the, the oh, newest okay. new one. Okay, so you sold out um, and you paid the extra $30. Oh, uh, yeah, man, yeah. Well, we split it. We split <laughs> it up. <laughs> fair. That, but, you know, uh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we watched that. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It was a really beautifully made movie. Um, you know, good themes. It's just like Mulan animated just, you know, with Donnie Yen and uh, Jet Li and people like that that you like seeing on the screen. So, um if you're a fan of martial arts cinema, um, it's a good film to watch because there's a lot of you know nice references to that. Um, and if you're new to the game, yeah. um, I'd say it's a, it's a pretty good gateway movie into a, a you know a much better um, genre of films than what I think Mulan is. Um, but you know, of course, Tenet. Um, a Ghost Story is a, a film that I watched again recently. Um, this is one of my oh, favorite wow. movies of all time. Um, directed by David Lowry, it stars Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. Um, and it's basically um, about a man that passes away um, and continues to haunt his previous home and basically like follows his um, you know, wife around um, as a ghost. Uh, that's covered in just like an ordinary bed sheet. <laughs> um, it's goofy and outlandish um, and serious and like extremely heartwarming. It has this really interesting, um, you know, co- uh, concept where kind of the main like preachy monologue of the film is very like nihilistic. You know, like every, nothing means anything, like everything's pointless, like there's no rhyme or reason to life. Um, but the way the film tells its story is very like on the antithesis of that. It's very like, um, you know, all these subtle little moments mean, you know, the world, like they mean everything, um, especially to the people mm. that, you know, um, are living it. Um, and so it's this really intimate and like um, beautiful study of grief um, and just life and time in general and what you do with it. Um, so if you haven't seen that, it's an A24 film. Um, uh, you gotta watch it. You guys gotta watch it. It's so good. <laughs> um, it's the it's the movie with the infamous or famous pie eating scene. Yeah. Have you guys yeah. heard of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so if you're up to the task, it's a good one. I've I also I've heard rewatched great things about that movie. Yeah. Uh, I also rewatched Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is an amazing action movie. Um. You know, oh yeah, God, such a so classic. good. Uh, the music is perfect. Harrison Ford is so great. Um, you know, it's yeah. just awesome. The set pieces are amazing. Um, 
Other than that, uh, I've been kind of getting into the filmography of uh, Kelly Richard, which is, she's like a small ind independent film maker. Um, her newest movie, which is an A24 film, is called First Cow, and I haven't got around to watching that yet, but I've been watching some of her past. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of her past films like uh, Old Joy and Wendy and Lucy. Um, they're just intimate little like character study dramas. Um, and they're a lot of fun to watch because as someone who is really interested in, in independent filmmaking and telling small stories, at least to start with, um, it, she's a really like cool filmmaker to watch because she just like shoestring budgets like nothing. She just goes out in the woods basically or into small towns and, and films. Um, and comes up with these really like intimate, you know, like true feeling stories. Um, so I, mm -hmm. I would, I would check, I'd recommend checking out her, some of her stuff cause she's really talented. Yeah. We were talking about first cow the other day and that's a movie I wanted to see cause it looked like an intimate character study, but it also looked like it had a little bit of a budget to it as well. Um, yeah. And it, it just seemed like such an odd little concept. I remember mm -hmm. I watched the trailer and I was like, what is this movie freaking about? Um, <laughs> and and we talked further about it and I was like, I, I think I want to see it. And you're like, dude, you got to go check out our other stuff. So I've got, uh, is it Megan and Lucy? Is that one of her other Wendy. ones? Wendy and Lucy. Um, I think Wendy, actually, Wendy and Lucy, sorry. If you have Prime, Whoops. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, I think... Pretty much all of her films are on there. Um, oh, sweet! Yeah, they're on my docket. So, yeah. Other than that, um, I've been playing The Witcher Three like a madman. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know yes. if you, have you guys played that game. Yeah, I haven't played it personally, but I know I've seen a lot of it, and that's a that is a beast of a game. But clearly, it. Uh, yeah, it's one of like the greatest games of, of our generation because it's like it's they sold so many copies of that game. Like it's it's crazy. I'm very, very excited for their uh for their upcoming game this November, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, C D Project Red is doing. I'm a big oh, yeah. cyberpunk guy. So I'm that game is going to take many, many hours of my time. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about The Witcher, man. Like you yeah. know, every every quest I do, I feel like I'm just like diving deeper into something, you know, that I'm not prepared for. <laughs> it's so deep. Dude, it's like yeah. um, it's already a massive game, and then they have like three or four DLCs that are just like huge, huge. Like, oh man, like oh man, it is. It's it's like Skyrim times six. <laughs> like yeah, it really is. Yeah, it, yeah, totally. And Skyrim was one of those games that I. I I don't know if I'd consider it wasted, but I I spent probably like hundreds of hours in that in that world, you know. Oh, yeah. So oh, I don't think I'll get to that point with Witcher, but um, you know, the story's the great. Uh, it, it makes me want to read the books too, which is pretty cool. Right. That's one thing that I've seen a lot of people do with the game is it got people to buy the books, and that's, that's awesome. Um, I think I think Last Wish uh, came out soon after. Uh, Witcher 3 came out, and that book has sold a bunch of copies. Um, I'm, I cannot pronounce the author's name to save my life. I'm pretty sure he's like Bulgarian or Serbian or something. I think his name is yeah. like An Andrew Sipkowski or something. That's like the really dumbed-down Americanized version. But <laughs> um, I, I remember I read uh, an excerpt from one of his books 
in advance of the TV show coming out. And he just writes tone so well. Um, and you got to wonder like how much of it is translated and how much of it is like his true words that were written down. Cause some of that stuff can change just a little bit depending on the translation of it. But he's, oy. the, the books are really, 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 really good. And there's a bunch of them. So I think if, if you liked the game, if you like the show, definitely get the books because the game and the show just kind of scratch the surface of that world. That world is was massive. The show, was the show good, like the first season? I tried with the show. Um, I didn't think it was that great, but it was well made. Yeah. It was a so. setup season, I felt like. Yeah. Mm, as often Netflix shows are. <laughs> yeah, it really felt like they were giving you kind of the tone of what the show was going to be going forward, but really not give you much in terms of character development or story. They were like, here's what it could be. This is basically a giant prologue. And it really felt like that. So I didn't love it, but I was kind of excited for what they do in season two and season three and however far they go. I, they needed to, they need to get their timeline down. The timeline in season one was a jumbled cluster. I heard it was, Um, yeah, it was kind of a, it was kind of wonky. Yeah, it was whack. It was definitely wonky. Um, so if they if they do even like it, to say it was nonlinear was kind of an understatement. Um, if they <laughs> My dad if they do some kind it. of yeah if they do any kind of linear anything it will be an improvement. So uh, I didn't think it was terrible, but it definitely wasn't as good as it could have been. Yeah. All right, Grayson. How about you? Um. I have not been up to much. I'm a busy guy. I'm doing a lot of things, but uh, you know, I like I said, I do that. I have a class where I I have to read a book and watch a movie every week, so you know that always gives me something at least. So, um, I this week was Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, which was a um, a short story by Truman Capote, and then yeah. The day or two after, I watched the movie, which came out in 63, and has Audrey Hepburn, among others. And honestly, both surprised me. I actually really enjoyed both of them. They were kind of like... So the first one feels it feels a bit more serious in tone and feels like it has deeper themes, whereas the movie feels a little bit more... <sighs> John Green novel, like uh, yeah. rom-com kind of thing. Um, yeah. I didn't hate the movie. I thought it was really funny um, and, and really heartfelt, but there were some cliches and there is one performance that I have talked with uh, multiple people, including one of my other professors. Um, and it is almost unforgivable how racist it is. <laughs> it is... Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> basically, there is a character named Mr. Uniyashi. He is an uh, an Asian. Um, uh, what do you call it? I guess he's like a landlord. And they, oh, I've heard of this. Got yeah, yeah they got this. Uh, he's a very famous actor. I'm dry, I'm forgetting a name. Uh, his name. It's like, uh, man, he's a very famous actor. I'll I'll look it up in a second. But um. Basically, he played this Asian guy, and it is the most racist thing ever because <laughs> he has these massive, like, buck teeth, and, like, Aww. they have, like, his eyes, like, squinted back, and he has the most cliche Japanese accent. Like, 
it's so so bad. The actor who played him was Mickey Rooney. Um, oh wow! And I before I started watching the movie, I. I did some research because my teacher had mentioned that there was a performance that has definitely not aged well. And I was like, as soon as I pulled up the IMDB, I was like, I know what this is going to be because I knew Mr. Uniashi was an Asian guy. And this guy was definitely not Asian playing him. And it is, (laughs) it's so, it's just, it's so bad, but like, it's just, it's kind of laughably bad because it's like, how, how did they get away with this? Like this would be, this would be canceled so quickly now, but that was just like how it was back then. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, but overall I enjoyed the movie. Um, and I, I'm kind of glad that I, to say that I have watched it. Um, next week we're getting into, um, we're going to be reading the body, which is a short story by Stephen King or like a novella. And mm. which is what stand by me was, uh, was done uh, or made based off of. So I'll be doing that and stand by, stand by me. And then, the other film that I watched this past week, I rewatched it um, with some some people at school. Uh, they invited me, and that was The Invisible Man, which I this was the oh, third yes. time that I saw it. And my God, that movie! It just like it just I love it. I love that movie so much. It is one of the best movies this year. Like probably, honestly, probably my favorite movie this year. I'll say. Granted, there hasn't been many movies that have come out this year because yeah. pandemic. However, with that, even with that in mind, it's just such a well-made movie. The concept is genius. The like the sound design, the score, the performances, the action, the suspense, every single aspect about this movie, like I just adore. Um, and I, it's still, it's still. I was like, I gotta get, I gotta own this movie. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what the worlds that I'm exploring. Um, other than that. Not, not too much, obviously, than other than than Tenet, which we, which I saw twice. So, um, so yeah. Very nice. I uh, only watched one movie other than Tenet this past week, and that was last night. I watched Prisoners. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> Finally, for the first time all the way through. Um, I had seen parts of it before, and so I I recognized. At, and I'm pretty sure everything I had seen was at the end, which is awesome. So wonderful. If you can hint, if you can hint the sarcasm. Um, but th- that movie's really, really good. Dude. I was really impressed by it. It was super dark. Like, just dark. Yeah, it wasn't like disturbing necessarily, but it was kind of there. Um, the performances in it were insane. The whole cast was unbelievable. Hugh Jackman, um, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Paul Dano. I mean, yeah. even um, what's this? Uh, is it Terrence Howard? Um, yeah, he's even good in it. Like it's just, it is. Viola Davis is incredible in it. Oh my gosh! Yes, I forgot she's in it too. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Hugh Jackman by far uh, is the highlight of the movie for me. Um, he just that he man. He steals I, the show. That 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 and Logan are like both Oscar winning performances for me. Like I wish he. I, I don't know if he has won an Oscar, but he better at something. He has because that's if he that's did, not, he won it for Les Mis. Nah, man. That, that, yeah, I don't. I don't think he's won one. I don't really think so sad. either. 
He was a jacked man. I think I do remember he was nominated for Les Mis, but I don't remember if he actually won it or not. Um, yeah, he doesn't. He always tends to be in the in the hunt for an Oscar, but doesn't necessarily win them. Um, I think now that he is past the like X Men phase, I'm hoping he yeah. will get more performances. Prisoners was in 2013. He was also in the Prestige. Um, and yeah. I mean, great movie. He's one of my favorite. But he's been Nolan. in a lot. Oh, it's oh yeah. But he's also been it's in like a lot one. of subpar movies too, and it's never like it's never really his fault. Like even X Men Origins Wolverine, he's not bad in that movie. It's just a bad movie. Um, yeah. So, you know, like I'm, I really want him to have another performance like he does in Prisoners because he just like the, there's a scene where he's like yelling in the car um, to someone, and it's just like, it's so it's so good. He's yelling at Jake Gyllenhaal. It's a great scene. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the worlds we've been exploring, and now we're gonna do a little bit of a dive down the rabbit hole into some spoilers for Tenet and and more into our thoughts. If you haven't seen the movie yet, definitely go check it out. But if you don't want it to be spoiled for you and you haven't seen it yet, this would be your cue to click off. And if you're one of those people, we'll see you next week. But if you're one of the faithful few that's gonna dive through the rest of this with us. Uh, thanks for listening. And now we're going to get into some spoilers about Tenet. All right. So spoilers about Tenet. Let's just, uh, let's just not waste any time. Um, well, I don't even know where to start. There, there's about the a million different there, ways There's so many go. places to start. Uh, um, let's, let's start oh, with the opening. This? I want to start with the, okay, opening the opening because there is so much going on in the opening and I need to talk about this because I freaking love the opening of this movie, but like, what the freak is going on? <laughs> like, I have no idea. So dude. here's what I, so here's what I think it is. I think John David Washington's character is a double agent and he has infiltrated a terrorist organization. Yeah. Okay. So that's what that's what I was like I was texting you about this and that's kind of my idea but after watching it a second time I'm not sure now because well like I am I'm sure on that but also like it gets more confusing because there's another aspect so basically he's on this team these guys I imagine they seem to be bad guys they seem to be criminals they have their SWAT gear on they're like wake up the Americans they put on the patches once the, the police arrive there's already terrorists taking over this opera house the cops then show in and then they blend in with the cops but they're going after this target. But they're not actually going after this target. They're going for this piece, which ends up being part of the algorithm. But we don't know what that mm-hmm. is. We, and we're like, okay. And then, like, the target isn't actually the target when he gets back to the van. But before we get to that, he gets down to the amphitheater. And the cops, the real cops, not the not them, but the real cops, are planning bombs, like, in the theater. And we're like, or at least I assume yeah. the real cops. It, it, it's, yeah, it's I not didn't get very that at all. Ice. And so I'm like, wait, so the real cops are bad too? So he's like, all right, what's well, my mission to save these people now? Because I'm like a good guy. I'm part of the CIA or whatever. So then he's fighting the terrorists. He's also fighting the cops. And then one of the other ones like comes up behind him and tries to shoot him. And then, uh, which later on, which is, I love this part. We find out it's Neil who saves him using yeah. an inverse bullet. I don't know if he was actually inverted or was using an inverse gun. I think he was using an inverse gun after I watched it a second time because he starts going down the stairs like normal. He's not like going the stairs backwards or anything. Anyway, yeah, yeah. he gets back to the van with like a different guy and they like save all the people. And then they're like, 
you got the wrong guy. And then they knock him out and then they torture him and they're like, I'm like, what just happened? Like there's, there are like seven or eight things going on right now. And I, I, I mean, it was fantastic. It was such a good opening. I was like, this is sick, but also what? I don't know. That's my video. Yeah. My, <laughs> one of my big questions was why did they gas the, like the stadium? Like, what was the purpose of that? Was it just to make sure that people didn't realize that if there was any, like, inversion happening? Was it, like, to disguise this, like, you know, subworld no, or whatever? No, I don't think or... inversion had anything to do with it. I think yeah. they gassed... Well, like, the reason I thought they gassed it was because they were trying to knock out the terrorists. And, yeah. like, so that way, like, everybody in the room got knocked out at once, and then they could arrest the terrorists, and everybody would wake up. But, like, then it seemed like the terrorists were already prepared... Because they throw all throw on gas masks. Like, none of the terrorists get knocked out. Yeah. And then, like, also the cops are bad. Or are they? Like, it was very hard, especially with the sound mixing. I'm, and, and, like, you don't really know if... I don't know. It was... I don't know. I, I don't want to fixate on that. But, like, the, the, the biggest thing that confuses me with the whole opening is... Was he intentionally going after the piece of the algorithm, the the mm-hmm. little box thing? Because what he he you show him like he runs out and he like goes to like these these like coat hanger things and he gets it out of this bag like he knew it was there the whole time. But he was also going after this person. That so I'm like, first of all, whose side is he on? What is the objective right now? And what are all of the factions? I and mean, it doesn't really matter to the whole plot of the movie, but I'm someone no. who I want to know these things. I'm like, I want to watch this yeah. and be like, oh, that's so good. That's so clever. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of double crossing and espionage going on in that whole, that whole first seven minutes. There's just, as I said, overwhelmingly epic where you're like, this is awesome. But this is so much, and it only it only progresses from there. I think the first half of the movie definitely it gets easier to understand, and then once you get to that latter half again, it starts getting even more confusing. Especially once the like they get to the the time style or the turn style uh, and reveal that whole thing. But I've I've spoken long enough. I, I want you guys to speak. <laughs> yeah, man, I was pretty confused by the the opening too and you know i don't i was so like um i don't know uh i just like couldn't pay attention like i was trying so hard to pay attention to what was going on (laughs) like keep track of things because i was like oh man this is all gonna matter later like i've gotta i've gotta make sure that you know i i'm catching every single little thing they say i've gotta make sure that i'm like you know seeing every little symbol that like no one might be trying to show us like Right, later and on there's only the one. Yeah, there's the one, the little, like, keychain thing, right? The little keychain um, thing, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think what was maybe a little bit frustrating for me about the ending, like, the end revelation, is that it didn't clear any of that up, really. Like, it kind of, the ending is it less of a revelation and more of it. a, yeah, and it, it's almost more of, like, the beginning, sort of, which I think is kind of the, yeah. the point, right? But, like... Right. It, it doesn't feel as like impactful because you're still even after the movie's over, you're still confused about the beginning of the movie. <laughs> A so, little bit. Uh, yeah. You're trying yeah. to figure out who and and I think the point of John David Washington's character is that he doesn't matter. Yeah. Um th- like he's just there 
to be the face Wait, really? of a movement. I really think why else would he not have a name? But like, well, because but he's like the he throughout the like the rest of the timeline, whether that's forwards or backwards, I still I'm not sure. He changes <laughs> the whole the whole thing. Like he literally says at the end when he kills the, the lady from Mumbai, who's like the arms dealer. He says yeah. like, both you and I have been working for me in the future. Yeah, and I'm like. What? <laughs> like so so I I I disagree. I think he is highly important because he even says like Neil's asking he's like who hired you like who, or you never said who are you working for and he's like I work for you. Like he's almost like weirdly he started the whole thing, but also he's like the novice to it all. It's very it's very like well, a big theme in the movie. It's very paradoxical. <laughs> right um, and that's, the whole thing yeah, is a paradox which is i think the point of it but like why i think t- they can both be true because the first however until it's it's revealed that everything has been kind of flowing through him it's all set up to where he is an unimportant like just an agent that seems like he's thrown into it by happenstance luck and he just kind of happens to be in the right place at the right time and does the right thing and all of a sudden the fate of the world rests on his shoulders and it feels like the whole setup of the film is this character is not that important he just happens to be the guy for the job and and then at the end he's like well actually he is kind of important but that's why i was saying he isn't because of the way this movie is set up, you have a forwards and backwards pincer movement with the plot where the first half of the movie is going uh, forward directionally and then the second half of the movie is moving backward directionally, at least in the way it's set up. It's I don't even know how to fully explain it other than I feel like that's kind of how it's set up where it's going backward at the end and forward yeah. at the beginning. Um, Honestly, or at least it's working parts... back in a loop. Yeah. One of the parts that helped me the most with that was the scene where they're in the like the room where wherever they like the conversion happens. So like you've got the the blue side which is the the inverse side oh, the and then the room, red blue, side. Blue room. The, yeah, the two different yeah. colored rooms. And the the basically the visual storytelling there I think was way more helpful to like, you know, keeping yes. track of what was going on than anything that the characters actually said about the plot. Um because, like, once they got to that scene, I was like, okay, you know, I, I kind of felt like I was tracking a little bit more. You know, once once they got to that scene, they really, like, laid it out with, like, the machine that, like, um, you, you flip on, you flip to different sides. And then that scene was just super cool, like, visually, I thought. And how he, like, gains information from them by, like, doing the inversion. Yeah, that part still is like kind of baffling to me. Like it's still it's very complex. It makes sense, but I'm sitting there like, okay, he's talking backwards, but like the so <laughs> yeah. this entire thing is like it's inverse, and then he shoots her, but like he didn't have to shoot her. Like he already actually already had the information. It was a lot. Like the more you think about it, the 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 more complex it gets, it's almost better to like not yeah. think about it. <laughs> yeah. The best part of that scene is they're all saying their lines in reverse instead of them saying them and then getting reversed in editing. Like they had to learn how to do all that stuff backwards. That is crazy. Wait, what? Dude. 
Yeah. So Nolan was like, I'm not doing anything. You're going to have to learn how to do everything backwards. So that whole scene when uh, John David Washington and Kenneth Branagh are like trading lines back and forth and it's coming in reverse, they're saying those lines backwards. And then it's followed by them saying it forwards. But it's not that they say it and then it's reversed and played in editing. They're actually saying it backwards. That is wild, dude. How does that even How? work? I was about to say, like, that doesn't even... Where did you hear this? They just... I... I uh, where did I see it? I think I saw it in an interview with John David Washington when he was talking about the movie. Yeah, and that... With so the, they're, like, like literally... If, and the stuff sentence too. that I'm saying... Oh, I know they did it with the fights, but the sentence that I'm saying right now... Yes. They... Christopher Nolan was, like, learned that to say it yeah. backwards. Yes. What? No way. <laughs> he had to go. John, John David Washington had to be had to be joshing. Like no, uh, there's. Oh, it's in a press interview. It is in a press interview. They did it legit. Dude, if that oh, that's that is completely wild. I think it's, it's mind-boggling. Cool like you think, how did they do that? Yeah, even just like the fights, how they did that, like how they trained backwards for that. And so you have like, oh, you know, one crazy. stunt performer, you know, doing it, you know, the normal way, like performing all the moves normally. And then you have John David Washington doing it backwards. That is insane. Like, it just looked so gnarly on screen, too. I don't know how they yeah, figured that out. I don't know either. <laughs> like, the thing with Christopher Nolan, it stuck with me in an interview after Interstellar came out. He always is trying to find some frontier or something to do in a film that just seems impossible and he's going to figure out how to do it practically. And every single movie he does this and Tenet, it's like there's so many things that you see happening and you're like, I, it's CG, right? Or it's, it's edited or doctored in some way and they did all of it real as much as they could. Like all yeah. the set pieces are real. All the... Even, um, Go ahead. Even just like, you know, watching the scenes where John David Washington, the protagonist, is um, just walking, like walking through an inverted reality is insane because yeah. it doesn't even, it doesn't look at all like he's, you know, moving in basically the opposite direction, right? Like, right. It doesn't he, look goofy at all. Like, somehow they figured out how to make that look like the world around him is inverted which it which it is but he basically had to act like he was walking forward when he's really walking backward <laughs> you know how do you like figure Dude, out how to right. make all that look so natural you know yeah there's some parts that look shockingly good and like in yeah. terms of the the choreography and like just like i'm thinking about the moment when uh, in the second half when they go back to freeport to the um and they're using that to um what well, basically he has to fight himself and as soon as they come yeah. out of the shipping container that they've been going in through a couple days and, and she was healing through that they've been going backwards throughout this entire thing um, oh yeah they do they, like they come this out of, non-linear thing yeah and so they go back and they like they're they know that there's another turnstile at freeport so they go all the way there and wait till the moment happens and then like all of the people on the tarmac are like 
running backwards and stuff. I was like, this is crazy. Like, this yeah. is insane. Or, like, the, one of my favorite things is the effects, right? So, like, smoke will be, instead of it blowing, like, like a certain direction, it'll be flowing backwards. Or, like, in yeah. the, the sprinkler, or not the sprinkler system, but, like, the uh, when they're taking all the air out of the room, it's, like, going the reverse direction. Or fire is crackling backwards. Like, one of the coolest things is when he lights the car on fire. And because he yeah. exchanges, instead of in, in making him burn up, he, like, he gets hypothermia. Because of yeah. the, yeah. because of the explosion. that was, I was crazy. Like, I was like, that's, um, that's so, such, such a <laughs> that's such a nutty that's concept. genius. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. Like he's like you're probably the only person who survived or that has a like a case of hypothermia from a like a car a gasoline explosion. I was like, what? It's like yeah, wait a minute. Crazy. He took this thing so far, where it's not just like everything is reversed. Like everything in like molecular level is reversed like they breathe. Just, they have, that's why they have to have the breathing like even the driving yeah. the, the friction and in, in drift is different it's like you're on a different planet you know yeah yeah josh it kind of yeah, reminded me of it kind of reminded me josh of like a, a magic system like in a book you know like in a fantasy yeah. novel or something it kind of reminded me of that yeah. like you kind of have to like establish the rules and then like all of the elements you yep. know all the natural elements work like scientifically within the the magic system you know so like he brought up these concepts yep. that like you wouldn't even think of but it makes sense because you know there's some like form of science or like something behind it that could kind of like explain it away and make it seem like really cool you know yeah that was really yeah neat. i think it's tennis... definitely <laughs> go ahead oh sorry it keeps like buffering on my end i think um <laughs> <laughs> I think Tenet's really interested because interesting because it's almost like you know how when you first start making videos you're kind of like oh you know what would this look like if I played it backwards and you like experiment with like you know reversing video and you're like oh man that looks really cool mom check this out <laughs> I reversed the yeah. video it's kind of <laughs> like <laughs> it's, yeah it's kind of yep. like Chris Nolan like taking this like 200 million dollar concept to a studio and being like guys look I can reverse this isn't it cool <laughs> <laughs> dude okay but like I'm not gonna lie the last third of that entire scene when they're at stars or starks 12 or whatever it's called the town that he found the original um or one of the original pieces and there's this entire yeah. subplot that i had no idea about until i rewatched it a second time where basically the person who created the algorithm went backwards in time and hid them throughout time in certain locations and then yep. killed themselves because they couldn't get back because they went so far back in time i was like yep that is Okay, for, that's crazy. But that final act, like battle, or like I, I it's like a straight up war Insane. zone. Insane. It's so good, and I mean, like my favorite part. It's like when it made my jaw drop was when they're sinking at the five minute mark. They sync up the rocket launcher explosion. So like the people are going forward, the bottom had already been exploded, but the top was still there, and people were in it. The other way, it's like. They, they both shoot the rocks at the same time, so one goes, like, it builds itself back up, and then the top explodes, and one's, like, it the, the top reassembles, and the bottom explodes. And I was like, Dude, what? That was freaking That's freaking wild. That's so cool. It's so it cool. It was mind-boggling. Uh, man, I, I just love it. And, like, also, 
Shout out to Aaron Taylor Johnson's just surprise, like had no idea he was in this movie. He was honestly kind of underrated. I liked him. He was really good. He definitely kind of like fit. I don't. I don't know. Like I knew he was in it, and I was waiting for him. I was like, when is this dude gonna show up? Like I think. He, I feel I, like Tom, I was excited. I for feel him. like he got him because they didn't. They couldn't get Tom Hardy. <laughs> like I feel like Tom <laughs> probably. Hardy probably would have played him. <laughs> I feel like that was a Tom Hardy role. That was the, oh, yeah. you got to think bigger, darling. And I was just kind of waiting for it. Um, yeah. Or, you know. Uh, the biggest thing that we have not touched on that I think is a gross oversight is that Andre Sator is a fantastic villain. Like, one of the coolest villains and just, like, so terrifying. That dude terrified me. Really? Yes. I thought he was great. Interesting. I thought he was a very basic villain. You can Ooh. shove it. Uh, Seth, why don't we talk about Andre Sator and just ban Grace into Siberia? <laughs> okay, I'll take no, the middle I'll, ground I mean, here. I thought he was all right. <laughs> I, mean, oh, God. I mean, so here's the thing is I, I re I, like, I don't think he was bad, but I rewatched the movie and I'm like, he's just a cliche Russian guy. Like, that's what he is. Like, especially when he's beating his wife in the arms room, I'm like, he's like yelling at her and like in this Russian accent, like, it's the the only thing that I will say that I love, and I picked on this picked up on this the second time I watched it, was I love how he just constantly is checking his pulse. He's just like, yeah, like, he's got a tick. <laughs> like what, like he gets his like, like he'll like get very physical or whatever, and he'll be like, oh, that like barely raised my heart rate, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> that's that's a, like a quirky little villain thing that I like. But yeah, Kenneth Branagh is a, is incredible, but it just it felt very like uh, cliche Russian mob bad guy he felt uh, very uh like, bond villain to me like yeah like yeah. very little... you know you know the perfect kind of bond villain that like good luck a, a good point. amount of camp but like also like really serious at the same time yeah maybe it was the score that trumped him up for me but like i felt like i'm watching him and i'm like this dude is badass you know really like yeah. I definitely yeah. thought that. <laughs> no, I feel that. He's kind of chubby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I saw his face is angry, but I'm just like, he's kind of like this dad who walks around in his penny loafers on, like, your boat on the Sunday afternoon. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's why it's good. That's why it's good because you don't, like, the way he carries himself is so chill. And I, then he yeah. says stuff. He says stuff that's terrifying. Like he's telling okay, John David Washington he's going to shove his balls in his throat. But and I he's can't doing take him it completely monotone. I can't take him seriously when like John David Washington is just like, he's being such a cocky asshole to this guy. <laughs> he's like, is this how you treat all your guests? And he's like, he's like, <laughs> he's saying all this stuff. And I, first of all, I love the protagonist. Like his, his witty remarks. Like, okay, when he goes into that kitchen and those guys are at the beat him up and he goes, Oh, but he says like great. I ordered my chili an hour ago. <laughs> I was like, this is great. Like, I, or my hot sauce or whatever he says, and then he just yeah. beats the crap out of these guys. He freaking yeah. used the cheese grater on the side of this man's head, dude. Yeah, what? That was one of those moments that elicited like an actual like yelp from me. I was like, oh! like <laughs> <laughs> but like that's what you say. Like it feels like James Bond, where like yeah. like I was like, oh man. John David Washington, next James Bond, maybe? Like, Dude, I'm up for it. Listen, um, if they're going to have a black James Bond, I'd be okay with John David Washington being James Bond. And everybody yeah, wants Idris Elba, good. but like, 
No. Idris Elba would be good too, but no, I'm I'm more of a John fan. Yeah. He, he after Black Klansman and now this, like I I need more performances from him cuz he's just his the way he acts, his charisma, like his character, he's and everything, he's just he's a great actor. And I think it was a solid choice for this movie. Um I don't think I don't think I could see anybody else playing the main role, I think. But that's also just because I'm conditioned at this point. But he was a very wise choice. Robert Pattinson also was, like, the highlight for me. But even Elizabeth Debicki and Kenneth Branagh, like, all of the performances in this movie were... None of them were subpar at all. They were all... They brought their A game. Um, I was going to say that... Elizabeth Debicki knocked it out of the park. She's fantastic. However, I will say her... Her character bothers me a little because it feels a little old timey. Like she feels a little too damselly for my taste, and that's kind of what she like, kills. So okay, I would agree with you, except at the very end, I feel like her arc is all wrapped up in that she kills Sator, and she does it not because it's the right thing to do, but because it's a character moment and it's the wrong thing to do. And it totally could have screwed up everything. But I love Mm -hmm. that she, instead of doing something that would have satisfied the plot, she did something that satisfies her character. And she just, in a moment of anger, and, well, not even a moment, like just a buildup of anger over time, she just kills him and then says, to hell with the plan. Hopefully it goes good and the world doesn't end. But uh, I don't care about the world because I'm in a living hell right now and I'm going to kill this guy who's terrible. Uh, yeah. I loved that choice, but you're right. I think up until that point, she really felt like a bird that, in a yeah. cage. Yeah, and that's the thing is like that last that last moment, she she changed it around. But she does. There's a lot of saving involved with her character. I mean, from the very moment we meet her, it's uh, it's the protagonist trying to to get her out of the situation. To, he's trying to get the leverage off of off of her with this painting, and then. He's uh, he he's con- like he has to save her from the car chase in, nor- towards the middle of the movie, um, again from Sator, and then later on, um, when she gets shot, they have to like kind of, they have to get her to this place so that she won't die. Um, but then inevitably, when that third act comes, like she plays a crucial part, and and I really appreciate her character at that point. Um, but there was like he he takes there's just a little some tropes in there that like. Um, but I didn't mind it per se. Um, I think for me though, Robert Pattinson was, was, was my favorite kid, like my favorite in the movie. He's, I, I'm just, I love that man. Like that guy can do <laughs> that. That great. guy, I just love his performances. Like everything that I've seen him in, in like a post twilight era. I mean, from good time to the lighthouse to now this, um, I'm, it just makes me even more excited for the Batman, but I digress. Yeah, and, and I, I'm not—I'm not even like a super big like comic book film guy, but it, it looks, looks so really good. good. Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm hoping that if people see this movie, they'll finally shut up because it's a mainstream movie with Robert Pattinson. Because yeah. like Good Time and Lighthouse were yeah. not mainstream movies. Neither was High Life. No, these are all A24 movies. Like that's pretty much what he's been doing. This is his like first movie in a long time, where he's not been like he's been in a. Yeah, like a major Since motion Twilight. picture that's blockbuster level despite there being a pandemic. It's just, it's widely known. And this could really like re-put him on the map because people know who Robert Pattinson is. 
but like oh man this yeah this just kind of gives us a tease and he's like playing a totally different character than what we'll see probably as bruce wayne but in this like you just can't help but love him like he's he <laughs> like <laughs> he's talking about he's like well at least you, uh he's like at least you give him 10 seconds to to get to the door and, and he said our it's like our clients must know that uh, nothing uh, for the, our employees is more important than their uh, than their possessions. And he goes, "Blimey!" <laughs> and it's just like it's so good. I'm like, "Wow!" Like I, it's so cheeky. I love it. Yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh... I'd say one one scene. Go ahead. <laughs> Man, sorry, that keeps happening. I don't know what's going on. Okay, I'd say one scene that like really. <laughs> got under my skin um as far it was like the one scene honestly in like any christopher nolan movie that i've seen recently where i was just like oh my word come on like it just didn't feel right to me like it didn't feel like a good scene um and that was the scene when they're on like the weird like racing boats i was gonna mention that you guys remember that yeah when she pushes and they're like trying they're trying to exchange like really like important information, like yeah, important while dialogue. Sailing. And they're like having to talk through like these helmets yeah. while like doing this really like awkward looking like sailing maneuvers. And you're like, Chris, come on, man. You could have just like had them sitting in a room. Yep. Yeah. That would have been fine. Like I would have been fine with a nice pretty room, some nice lighting, those nice like IMAX cameras on everybody. But instead, you gotta have like this super intense like boating scene, and it's so weird. <laughs> where it's... like, yeah, it is. It's sta- it's like it stands. It stays out of place. It, I I don't know. I, I remember I was watching it. and I'm like, why? Like in the first time I saw it, I was like, this is a weird scene. But you yep. know what? And then I watched it the second time, and I'm like, this is a weird scene. Like why? <laughs> they're like he's like they're sitting at this table, and it's really cool. He's like talking about shoving his balls down his throat and all that. And then and then he's like. <laughs> He says something, uh, and then he's like, uh, 8 a.m., sailing tomorrow. And I'm like, what? Sailing? And then they go <laughs> sailing to talk about this, like, really important information. I'm like, of all the things, like, this? And I think they needed a reason for, like, um, <laughs> for Elizabeth Debicki's character to, like, to kill try Thor. to kill him. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm like, you could have done that on, like, a hike or something, or, like, yep. I don't know. Like, what if they were on, like, a plane ride or something, you know? Like, or, like, maybe they were, I, I don't know. Like, and I get they were trying to be, like, covert and make it seem like they weren't talking about anything by going on this boat ride. But it also just felt really weird when it's like, okay, we clearly know this guy's the bad guy. And the main protagonist, and they're just, like, they're just sailing together. Like, what? I yeah. don't know. It's strange. Yeah, it didn't seem like it served much of a purpose other than to give more exposition and for her to kill, or at least try to kill Sator. But then also, like, it does show a little bit of John David Washington's character and that she doesn't, or he doesn't let her try and kill him or let her kill him. Yeah. And so it does, like, there is a little bit of a point to it, but it does seem like we could have probably tried to do this a little bit differently that's a little bit less um, over the top. Because that yeah. is a very over-the-top scene for no real reason at all. It, yeah, yep. <laughs> it's so extra. But I think that's kind of... I know, Seth, I read your review on Letterboxd, and you're kind of... You touched on something that is a common theme with Nolan movies now, 
where it feels like it's over the top to kind of one up the previous movie or to one up everybody else. And he does it. Yeah. And he does it successfully. But since we've seen him one up himself so many times, it's kind of to a point where it's like, can he even go any further or like, what does he do to one up himself? And you're like, well, he's got to do like a character study drama or something. Yeah, I think that would be the way that he one-ups himself for me. Like, just do, like, a quiet little intimate movie that, like, doesn't have a single action scene. <laughs> like, that would be he, my, like, my ideal next Nolan movie would be something that's just, like, totally, like, heady. Yeah. And, like, there's almost, like, it, there's almost, like, no, you know, big, like, loud, you know, set pieces. It's just kind of, like, maybe something like an Ad Astra, you know, something like that again. Yeah, and I'd like to see something on the scale in terms of like Memento. That's what I was thinking. Where it's this really cool mm. story, but it's great characters, and it really like dives deep, and there's not any serious action scenes. That would be that'd be something that I'd kind of like to see and go back to. And even then, like, yeah, like I just we we've we've gotten enough of the at least i mean not enough like i i'm not gonna mind for him to make more because i love his action always scenes take more yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but like you know i, I don't need a, a another like crazy high suspense action uh thriller uh you know in the next three or four years again i, I could totally be down with, with something else and i think that's why a lot of people really like interstellar yeah is because it's not it doesn't have a whole lot of like action in terms of like fighting. It does have, you know, tense scenes, but it's it that one is very character driven. Like I would say probably it's one more of more emotional than any of his other movies, really. Absolutely, absolutely. Um and, and I'd like to see and obviously he's still flexing on us with like this crazy like visuals aesthetic, but um and that's always gonna be a thing. But if we could get more, uh, maybe he's going to alternate back and forth. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I still want to see him do a Western, yeah. but that's just me. Yes. Yes. Oh, dude, that would actually be really awesome. Like I, with the IMAX format, especially. Oh, Ooh. yeah. I think that would look great. Oh, man, I could see it now. I, I could totally this. I could totally see him doing like an ode to Spaghetti Westerns, but like make it good, you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. That, that'd be sick. I also like I think Western would fit in his style because he does like to set it in a realistic setting. I did almost mention yeah. fantasy, but I'm like, no, fantasy is kind of not really Nolan's domain. Like he likes his movies to be set in a real world yeah. with with these mm -hmm. fictional elements. Like even the Dark Knight, which is in the Dark Knight trilogy, comic book movies but they ground themselves in reality yeah. as much as they possibly can. Yeah. Like real Batmobile, real uh, Batwing, Batpod, like his armor. It's all meant to be like, you could see this in real life and believe it. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, his other movies don't quite get that. And so if there was a Western per se, um, he could that that gives him a, and maybe he could throw in some fiction like some crazy fictional element into a western too i'd be totally down to see that hey like remember cowboy and aliens the movie wasn't that great but the concept <laughs> was super cool give me yeah. something with like like cowboys and some something else and like I'm, I'm down with it you know just don't 
Don't we don't yeah. need no, no time travel, please. I'm I, I want a break from time. No, travel that would be whatever. gross. <laughs> I could totally see him doing like a Tarantino <laughs> route where he's like, let's kind of focus on a famous event in history, but kind of rewrite it a little bit and kind of yeah. make oh, it make cool. it my own. I could see him doing something like that. Um, I don't know. I think Tarantino after the Hateful Eight is was in a similar situation that Christopher Nolan now is in where he has done his own thing many times. He's extremely well-established in his own tone and style. And then he decided to switch it up a little bit. And I think Nolan is at a spot where going forward, he's going to have to, to avoid some fatigue because his movies are so, Mm -hmm. they're unique to him. Like you're never going to get anything like this from anybody else, but they're extremely similar to one another in terms of the way that the stories are told and kind of the way characters, like they're all so similar. They really feel like siblings, which is, I mean, they are, but I think in order for him to break out and to try and stretch himself, he's going to have to do like a redheaded stepchild kind of movie where it's, he's going to have to do, um, uh, what was that studio film he did before? uh insomnia so that movie was so different than the others and it doesn't have any of the characteristic nolan yeah it doesn't have any of the nolan like themes or storytelling devices i think he's gonna end up doing another one of those kind of movies um though i think he's never gonna do a studio film again he's gonna be doing movies that he writes forever which is fantastic but uh, i think he's in a spot where he's done the same thing over and over and I think he's going to have to try and, and do something a little bit more, not unique to himself, but unique in general to kind of the films that he's already done. I'll say one thing that if he does do something action oriented, I would love um, uh, for him to do. So, well, let me backtrack a bit to give some context over like quarantine. I replayed um they came out with like a remaster for the the second modern warfare and in that the um the soundtrack was done by Hans Zimmer and so immediately I was getting Christopher Nolan vibes yep um but with that actually I think in terms of the the story um and in light of like the new Call of Duty game coming out I think something along the lines of like you know a Cold War era kind of black ops very like, but um, like Ooh. sort of psychological um, could be really cool. The Call of Duty Black Ops is one of my favorite um, Call of Duty campaigns because how psychological it is. It involves like sleeper agents and it also has a vast array of locations from like Cuba to, um, to Vietnam to uh, Moscow and like all over the place. Like it, it, there's so much uh, dynamic environments and what's so what was so great about that story was it really got into the psyche of the main character's head and like his grip on reality. And so I think, and and also like with the modern warfare games, those have a lot of like a lot of the Nolan style things where there's like there's twists and there's like espionage and backstabbing and like oh this isn't actually what's going on like um, like there's something else going on that we're not seeing until later. Um, and I think a plain and simple, like, kind of military style, like, black ops kind of movie would be cool. But I think Tenet takes a lot of that, but adds that that time inversion to it. Like, mm-hmm. if you took away that 
that's kind of what that would feel like. You know, it would feel kind of like a Black Ops Modern Warfare style thing. It just has this crazy time inversion concept. Like even when I was watching the final fight um, or even the opening scene, I'm like, this thing, this reminds me of Call of Duty. Like I could feel like I could be playing a mission uh, and like them running around and like blowing up buildings or shooting guys. But the thing is, is it has this like this crazy concept um so maybe one day no one could do that i don't want that to be within like super close just because we're coming hot off the heels of well his previous movie was a world war ii movie and this feels right. kind of uh like a that they say it is like a second cold war um in the sense like of what they're fighting after it's not nuclear holocaust it's like temporal holocaust which i think is a is, that's like pretty I said, cool that's just a great a, thought just such a cool concept like oh okay it's not you know, when we have to worry about a new weapon other than just like nuclear power and bombs, that's where it gets really interesting. Like yeah. what what is out there that we don't know about that could that could be threatening a mass amount of lives and we're just completely oblivious. Um and and I think that was something that was was kind of cool. And Nolan has done that in many many of his movies <laughs> actually now that i think about it i mean uh the dark knight rises kind of had that with with a nuclear bomb but like it was this weird whatever we're, we won't we'll talk about that but inception with kind of a the mega trees. nuclear yeah, bomb. yeah oh well a <laughs> mega bomb inception was like inception was this thing of like these uh, my, one of my favorite parts of inception is when all of the people are sleeping in like i think they're in india or pakistan or something oh yeah and they're all in this basement and they're just dreaming their life away because it's better that way. And it's like, oh, that was freaky too. Yeah. It, and that's, that's like a scary thought. Interstellar was like, you know, yeah. this plague of like, oh, what if we like went out into space and we completely like lost our loved ones, not because of like death, but, but because of like, we just get lost in time, you know? And this is another thing of like, oh man, time inversion. And like, what that, what would that do? What would that be like? Um, I, I would say to, to wrap up what I, I'm saying in this is that like Christopher Nolan has some of the coolest concepts in filmmaking for and sure. Whatever he'll do next, I'm sure will be crazy. Um, unless it'll be something like a insomnia or a, uh, a even a Dunkirk. But um, yeah, I'd love to see him take on another event project too. Like mm -hmm. I think Dunkirk is probably his technically, I think it's his best work. Mm -hmm. um, just in like the way that he uses filmmaking, like the, like the, the medium of filmmaking to tell a really emotional story yeah. yeah even with like very little character emphasis you know it's just recapping the event pretty much but it does it in the most interesting and emotional way possible yep and i think like if he was to take on another project like that i would be really into it you know something that's more historical that he can just like throw his like big filmmaking budget I, at, you know. I was gonna with say the IMAX cameras and the sound. I'd love to see something historical. I, I was gonna mention that. Like we've seen World War II. I think it'd be very interesting to see something even as far back as like ancient history, but I was thinking maybe like Revolutionary Ooh, yeah. War would be very interesting to see. Like I think with his visual style, Probably. that could be really good. Um nothing within the past like the past century i'd say like i think it'd be cool to have something in like that 1800s that 1700s era um what if he tackled like a sword and sandal epic haha <laughs> like something like a gladiator or like a kingdom of heaven we've been needing yeah. one of those you know how that would be yeah I mean, awesome I yeah. those movies down with that, those movies sure. used to dominate 
theaters, you know, like 10, 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. Th- those were the like, You even think movies. of like 300 and stuff yeah. like that. Like people ate up those movies where it was like, oh, yeah, these awesome warriors, you know, in, in, in history. Um, it could be very interesting to see Nolan approach that. Because like I said, he likes his, his things based in reality. Yeah. So if he had a story like that, that could be, that could be, that could be really good. I would be one thousand percent behind that. Um, I'm kind of a hoe for sword and sandal movies, so I would laugh that up. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> so am I, dude. <laughs> you guys, you guys share. Oh, I mean, I like them too. You guys are like, you guys both share the common interest of like the sword and sandal thing, and me and Josh both both share the thing of like we re- like we are very gung ho on our on our westerns. Yeah. So so maybe maybe he can do both. Maybe one day he'll do a western, and one day like. If he starts kind of jumping around in, in pieces of history, I'm all for it. Um, Here's what it'll be: it'll be a it'll be a cross cut film between a western and a sword and a sandal movie. <laughs> all invo- it all wraps up in time somehow. So it's gonna right? be John like, Carter. He'll 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 do both genres <laughs> in one movie. It'll be John Carter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want I want good. I want them to have swords that have like guns on the barrel so they're like <laughs> you know that's so stupid but Can you do that so again for like me. a Bollywood movie? <laughs> it does. If only we had if only we had the visuals people could see me just randomly flailing my arms all over the screen making gun noises. Yeah. <laughs> um uh, So this is like a question that I have for you guys um what what do you consider the genre of tenant? Um, uh, an action thriller. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of how I would describe it. Like I think Josh, you mentioned that like it's kind of a heist movie, and I'm like it is, but to me it feels almost like yeah, it feels like a like a war action thriller because it's like it because there's like a almost there is a war going on in it. Like it is straight up like this grand stake battle like to save the world you know um and i don't think like nolan's ever done a movie where it's literally like about saving the world in that that kind of manner and and i will say like maybe i think nolan was actually kind of going for maybe some some of the cliche stuff in terms of his villain in terms of the archetypes of the characters with like the protagonist being kind of kind of cheeky and witty you know the the um, the main female character with Elizabeth DeBecky being kind of more of a damsel and there being kind of like the cool best like friend, the wingman kind of guy yeah. all while trying to save the world. But he does it in a way where you don't like, you don't really notice. It. It's not like you're groaning at it. You're just like, you kind of pick up on those things, but it never feels unnatural. Um, and I guess that's where you kind of draw the comparisons, to the James Bond and mission impossible, but it feels, it shares those similarities, but it feels um, it just feels so different than that. Like you don't, you don't ever think like, oh man, he's about to save the world and get the girl. Or like that's not really like what happens. It's like he's, I don't know. It's so, it's still so hard to wrap my my head around it all. I think the consensus about this movie is that we just need to see it more. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Every day for the rest of my life, I'm I'll gonna be watch buying Tenet. it for sure. <laughs> I do want to say I have listened to the score for this movie nonstop for the past like four days. So good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I listened to it today too. I listened to it on its own and I'm thinking like some of the moments 
in this movie, I was just so into it. Like because of the score. Yeah. Um, I know we mentioned this before, but I tweeted out earlier this week that Ludwig was like top two composer. And that's just because Hans Zimmer exists. If not, he's easily number <laughs> one to me. <laughs> like he's just doing stuff. That's so good. Like, Hans Zimmer uses violins and strings, and Ludwig uses electric guitars and bass. It's and like synth, and right. that's what's dope. But he also like he even he doesn't just do that. But there was, I remember um, the moment that like I really got into his scores was in the Mandalorian in episode two, the Mudhorn. Yeah, he does the the, the track for that ep- episode specifically. It has like this really cool like bass guitar tribal synth and i'm like this is so different than anything with this though like it's straight up like these kind of like mind bending like they it feels like when you're listening to the score you are going like you are inverting yourself like especially with like the timeline like it fits that style so well yep um and it and it's also very emotionally driven too um i think I, I remember the moment that got me like really, um, I got really hyped was when they bungee jump up the building. Oh, which yeah. by the way, okay, super cool. So they just they regularly they just regularly bungee jumped up the building, right? They didn't use any like inverted cables or anything. I don't think so. Okay, because I, I watched it again <laughs> and I'm like, how did they do that? Like, so they go up and like that makes sense, but then they also like he like hopped up the building and I'm like. Is that how that works? <laughs> like, because he went, he went, Ooh, and it looked like he was momentum was going to stop. And then he kind of like pushed himself up more. And I was like, I don't know if that's how that works. I never bungee jumped. I don't know. Anyway, the score kicks in on he that moment. He double tapped A. That's what he did. <laughs> He's like, My double jump. Boing. <laughs> What's crazy is they did that for real too. They, yeah. No way. Yes. That was legit dude so okay oh with these movies with and Nolan jumping, movies, did they actually jump down the building yes oh i'm sure they did yeah with That's these so movies sick. you have to assume <laughs> it actually happened instead of it was made in post or it was done with there's green almost screens. nothing that you can recognize that's made in post for real like the this movie is going to age so well because there's nothing about it that you're like i can see where that was Anything with computers, I feel like will age pretty poorly at some point or another. Like we have The mm-hmm. Hobbit, for example. Those movies are almost all computer generated, and they have not. And they're aged. not going to age well. They already don't. They already <laughs> haven't aged well. Um, they, yeah, they already look bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Nolan movies. I'm even thinking of Inception. They, that movie was made in like 2008, right? So 12 years ago. 2000. Is it 2010? Mm, maybe. Yeah, 2000. 2010 yeah yeah so yeah somewhere around yeah there. it's a 10 year anniversary this year yeah so 10 years old and you cannot tell that anything in there looks goofy or anything like that and there's some crazy stuff in there crazy the only stuff. cg that you really you really can tell i like that i think of is when like the glass breaks in the dreams and when the bit like the actual city flips over but even that, like, it doesn't look bad at all. Like, no. it looks real because it's all photographically real. They just almost took it and they just flipped it. Yep. Everything else, like, mm-hmm. even from, like, him going down, like, 
it, when he's kind of in the zero G scene, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, yeah, and like he puts the bombs That's on the legit. elevator, and he's like fighting the guy. It actually it's all happened. Real, yeah. and I'm like. And that's, I have such an immense appreciation for that because I, I just get, I get so irritated with, with the overusage of, of, um, of CG in movies. And, uh, what I'm saying is Marvel, you should have gotten a real purple man to play Thanos. I'm just, <laughs> just <laughs> you mean Josh Brolin's face like, on a little uh, green <laughs> stick wasn't good enough? <laughs> <laughs> no but like if it was actually like if christopher nolan had made that movie he would have gone out to an actual field and made all those actors stand out there while he like at the middle in the middle of the night instead of it being like a cg blue screen thing i'd be like no we're camping here overnight and we're and we're gonna have this massive battle in the plains but like it's whatever it's fine i don't know christopher nolan's a g though <laughs> he's a g <laughs> uh i think that that kind of winds down slash wraps up our pretty in-depth kind of rant review uh, soapbox episode about Tenet. Uh, do y'all have any? We could talk so much more about it. We but could. Like, we probably just shouldn't. It, no. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any closing thoughts that are uh, brief? <laughs> Dude, I, I, I loved Tenet. I, I'm so excited to see it again, and I'm definitely going to be owning it yeah. in the best format possible. Yeah. With subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do a script read along. <laughs> I want a script to screen movie. 4K copy. <laughs> yeah. That'd be so good. I don't have any other thoughts. I talked way too much on this episode, so you can go ahead and wrap it up. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, uh, thank you all for listening to this episode. We greatly appreciate it. If you would be so kind as to leave a review, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribe to us wherever you listen to our podcasts. Uh, also, give us a like and share this episode with your friends. It's the best way that Rising Action can be heard by other people. Um you can follow us on rising action underscore on Instagram. And that's, that's, that's the best way to find us. Uh, all of our yes. personal social medias were in the beginning. So if you missed that, uh, well, uh, you're out of luck. So, uh, thank you everybody for listening and we will see you next week when we wrestle a gorilla. I'm the protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, it's a good end. <laughs>